Holes, Chapter 28. After 20 years, Kate Barlow returned to Green Lake. It was a place where nobody would ever find her, a ghost town, on a ghost lake. The peach trees had all died, but there were a couple of small oak trees still growing by an old abandoned cabin. The cabin used to be on the eastern shore of the lake. Now, the edge of the lake was over five miles away, and it was little more than a small pond filled of dirty water. She lived in the cabin. Sometimes she could hear Sam's voice echoing across the emptiness. Onions! Sweet, fresh onions! She knew she was crazy. She knew she'd been crazy for the last 20 years. Oh, Sam, she would say, speaking into the vast emptiness. I know it is hot, but I feel so very cold. My hands are cold, my feet are cold, my face is cold, my heart is cold. And sometimes she would hear him say, I can fix that. And she'd feel his warm arm across her shoulders. She'd been living in the cabin about three months when she was awakened one morning by someone kicking open the cabin door. She opened her eyes to see the blurry end of a rifle, two inches from her nose. She could smell Trout Walker's dirty feet. You've got exactly ten ten seconds to tell me where you've hidden your loot, said Trout. Or else... I'll blow your head off. She yawned. A red-headed woman was there with Trout. Kate could see her rummaging through the cabin, dumping drawers and knocking things from the shelves of the cabinets. The woman came to her. Where is it? She demanded. Linda Miller, asked Kate. Is that you? Linda Miller had been in the fourth grade when Kate Barlow was still a teacher. Now her face was blotchy and her hair was dirty and scraggly. It's Linda Walker now, said Trout. Oh, Linda, I'm so sorry, said Kate. Trout jabbed her throat with the rifle. Where's the loot? There is no loot, said Kate. Don't give me that, shouted Trout. You've robbed every bank from here to Houston. You better tell him, said Linda. We're desperate. You married him for his money, didn't you? asked Kate. Linda nodded. But it's all gone. It dried up with the lake. The peach trees, the livestock... I kept thinking, it has to rain soon, the drought can't last forever, but it just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Her eyes fixed on the shovel, which was leaning up against the fireplace. She's buried it, she declared. I don't know what you're talking about, said Kate. There was a loud blast as Trout fired his rifle just above her head. The window behind her shattered. Where is it buried? he demanded. Go ahead and kill me, Trout said Kate, but I sure hope you like to dig, because you're going to be digging for a long time. It's a big, vast wasteland out there. You and your children and their children can dig for the next hundred years, and you'll never find it. Linda grabbed Kate's hair and jerked her head back. Oh, we're not going to kill you, she said, but by the time we're finished with you, you're going to wish you were dead. I've been wishing I was dead for the last 20 years, said Kate. They dragged her out of bed, pushed her outside. She wore blue silk pajamas. Her turquoise studded black boots remained beside her bed. They loosely tied her legs together so she could walk, but she couldn't run. They made her walk barefoot on the hot ground. They wouldn't let her stop walking. Not until you take us to the loot, said Trout. Linda hit Kate on the back of her legs with a shovel. You're going to take us to it sooner or later, so it might as well make it sooner. 
She walked one way, then the other, until her feet were black and blistered. When she stopped, Linda whacked her with the shovel. I'm losing my patience, warned Trout. She felt the shovel jab into her back, and she fell onto the hard dirt. Get up, ordered Linda. Kate struggled to her feet. We're being easy on you today, said Trout. It's just going to keep getting worse and worse for you until you take us to it. Look out, shouted Linda. A lizard leaped toward them. Kate could see its big red eyes. Linda tried to hit it with the shovel, and Trout shot at it, but they both missed. The lizard landed on Kate's bare ankle. Its sharp black teeth bit into her leg. Its long white tongue lapped up the droplets of blood that leaked out of the wound. Kate smiled. There was nothing they could do to her anymore. Start digging, she said. Where is it? Linda screeched. Where'd you bury it? Trout commanded. Kate Barlow died laughing. Holes. Part two. The last hole. Chapter 29. It was a change in the weather. For the worse, the air became unbearably humid. Stanley was drenched in sweat. Beads of moisture ran down the handle of, the, of his shovel. It was almost as if the temperature had gotten so hot that the air itself was sweating. A loud boom of thunder echoed across the empty lake. A storm was way off to the west, beyond the mountains. Stanley could count more than 30 seconds between the flash of lightning and the clap of thunder. That was how far away the storm was. Sound travels a great distance across a barren wasteland. Usually, Stanley couldn't see the mountains at, the time of, at this time of day. The only time they were visible was just at sunup before the air became hazy. Now, however, the sky was very dark off to the west, and every time the lightning flashed, the dark shape of the mountain would briefly appear. Come on, rain! shouted Armpit. Blow this way! Maybe it'll rain so hard it will fill up the whole lake. We can go swimming, said Squid. Forty days and forty nights, said X-Ray. Guess we better start building us an ark. Get two of each animal, right? Right, said Zigzag. Two rattlesnakes, two scorpions, two yellow-spotted lizards. The humidity, or maybe the electricity in the air, had made Zigzag's head even more wild-looking. His frizzy blonde hair stuck almost straight out. The horizon lit up with a huge web of lightning. In, a, or in that split second, Stanley thought he saw an unusual rock formation on top of one of the mountain peaks. The peak looked to him exactly like a giant fist, with the thumbs sticking straight up. Then it was gone, and Stanley wasn't sure whether he'd seen it or not. I found refuge on God's thumb. That was what his great-grandfather had supposedly said after Kate Barlow had robbed him and left him stranded in the desert. No one ever knew what he meant by that. He was delirious when he said it. But how could he live for three weeks without food or water? Stanley had asked his father. I don't know. I wasn't there, replied his father. I wasn't born yet. My father wasn't born yet. My grandmother, your great-grandmother, was a nurse in the hospital where they treated him. He'd always talked about how she dabbed his forehead with a cool, wet cloth. He said that's why he fell in love with her. He thought she was an angel. A real angel? His father didn't know. What about after he got better? Did he ever say what he meant by God's thumb or how he survived? No, he just blamed his no-good pig-stealing gran- er, pig father. The storm moved off farther west, along with any hope of the rain, but the image of the fist and thumb remained in Stanley's head, although instead of lightning flashes behind the thumb, in Stanley's mind, the lightning was coming out of the thumb, 
as if it were as if it were the thumb of God.